Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. The San Francisco 49ers are 0 1 after a ugly, ugly loss to the upstart Chicago Bears, perhaps. Uh, They are 0-1. Elijah Mitchell is out about two months, and there is much to discuss. So I am very excited to welcome back to the show the Sacramento Bees and co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast, Chris Biederman. Chris, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Oh, well, it is. It's a pleasure to have you here as always. So thank you very much. Let's let's start with Elijah Mitchell uh, hurt his knee in the first half. He had a was hit by, I believe, Eddie Jackson, and he it was a tough hit and he was ruled out immediately during the game. Reported today that he's out two months with an MCL sprain confirmed by Kyle Shanahan. It's now the second year in a row that the 49ers have lost their number one running back in the first half of the week one game, which is not ideal, but the show must go on. And so it's Jeff Wilson, Jordan Mason, and Ty Davis price season in San Francisco. But Chris, what does this mean for the 49ers offense? It's going to make things a little bit more difficult, right? Because, and, Mm -hmm. but the funny thing too, is that Kyle Shanahan said it today in his conference call that he's lost his starting running back to injury basically every season with the exception of his first one with San Francisco in 2017, when Carlos Hyde started and played throughout the entire year. So you can go through the list. Like the 49ers have had different leading rushers in all five of Kyle Shanahan's seasons leading up to this one. Um, So it's kind of par for the course, but it's also got to be a little bit frustrating for them, given that they bank so much on Elijah Mitchell being a productive starting running back for them that they were willing to let Raheem Mostert go um, Mm -hmm. without much of an effort to bring him back. Right. So now you have a situation where Jeff Wilson jr. Is your presumptive number one guy. Um, He didn't look particularly great. I didn't think on Sunday in the season Mm -hmm. opener. And um, the numbers certainly reflected that Uh, he had just, what is it? Uh, 22 yards on nine carries with a long of five. So like just over two yards, not, of ideal. Carry. not yeah. ideal. And we know how much the 49ers want to run the ball and, and need to run the ball with Trey Lance as their quarterback. So it is problematic. And with George Kittle out, you know, these injuries kind of compound themselves, right? Because mm-hmm. with, without Elijah Mitchell, you need to rely on Debo Samuel a lot in the running game, which means he's lining up in the backfield a lot and he's in motion and he's, doing jet sweeps. And that takes away the element of Debo Samuel being a downfield threat, which you ideally would like him to be also. And without George Kittle, then Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings are really your only guys pushing, being able to push the ball downfield. And so you're now looking at a scenario where it becomes a lot more difficult for the 49ers to game plan because they don't have the pieces that they're expecting to. So we'll see if George Kittle's back this week. Kyle Shanahan didn't sound overly optimistic when I asked him about it on the conference mm-hmm. call today. Um, so it could be that he misses, you know, get the 12th and 13th game in the last three seasons, um, which isn't great, obviously. And with Elijah Mitchell, he's, I think he's clearly the rest running back. Like, it's not like, like, I think there's a substantial drop off between Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson and the other guys. And maybe Ty Davis price, and Jordan Mason surprised us. We've certainly seen it before where 
undrafted or rookie running backs have excelled in Kyle Shanahan's offense, but like Elijah Mitchell, like Elijah but. Mitchell, but <laughs> those guys don't come around all that often. Um, so, you know, it might be that Debo Samuel ends up getting more carries than anybody else in the 49ers this year. And that probably isn't ideal. That's probably not how you draw it up. You certainly don't mind having Debo Samuel in that role from time to time as sort of an ace up your sleeve, but to have to rely on him in that way, you're, you know, his body's taking a whole lot more punishment and you're also losing Mm -hmm. him, you know, as, as more of a downfield threat. So yeah, it, it cuts a bunch of different ways when, when the 49ers lose a running back like Elijah Mitchell. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including major league baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live embedding, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I thought Kyle Sheck said something interesting because Elijah Mitchell did struggle to stay healthy quite a back quite a lot last year. And it was something that came up a lot in training camp and what have you done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Yuschek said that Elijah Mitchell was down. He didn't want to be that guy. And, you know, it was just a hard hit and anybody would have gotten hurt there, but I can understand that because it happens very quickly in the NFL where now you're injury prone and you, and that becomes a thing and a narrative. And I think that is a difficult thing to deal with, especially with someone who is just entering their second year. And there were such high hopes for, and that they did put, so much on him. Like you said, they did let Raheem Mostert go and, you know, we'll see this will affect the offense in terms of George Kittle. Kyle Shanahan certainly did not sound particularly optimistic, but I guess we'll see as the week goes on, but you see a big drop off in tight end after George Kittle, no disrespect to Ross Dwelly and Tyler Croft, but you did see a bit of a drop off in tight end there. So they got a lot of problems early in the season and they lose a game that they should have won. This is a very 49ers game to lose though. This team loves playing down to the level of their competition, letting them stick around and then losing to them. They almost did it in week one last year. They just managed to pull it out against Detroit. But this now becomes, yes, it's only week one, but this is the kind of game that come January in the playoffs starts to haunt you in terms of seeding. And if you can't get it together from week two against the Seahawks, next thing you know, it just becomes a hot mess. And I don't yeah. want to say that they're losing next week because I don't think they are, but. Yeah, but the I mean the point stands, right? Like last year the their road through the playoffs was a lot more difficult because of their seeding, right? And yeah. their seeding was a product of, you know, they they had to win week 18 in LA to get to the playoffs largely because they started the year 3 and 5. And so, right. you know, losing a lot of games that they should have won that they tricked off and sort of played with their food a little bit, uh which is exactly what happened in Chicago. So, um, I don't think the world, you know, the sky is falling. I don't think it's time to bench Trey Lance. I know that's going to be a popular oh God, discussion that's, point. Um, that's just silly. It doesn't change the way I feel about the team. Like, honestly, I, I picked the 49ers on a radio station here in Sacramento to, to go to the Super Bowl last week. Um, oh, wow. I haven't, I haven't changed my thinking on that. I still think the ceiling for this team is as high as anybody in the NFC, particularly with how green Bay and the Rams looked. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, it was a game that you obviously need to win. And the 49ers are clearly a superior team to the bears. I mean, you, you just look at, you know, the stats, like the 49ers outgained the bears three thirty one to two Oh four. Right. They, they were yeah, eight of 17 insane. on third okay. down. Like they ran the ball. Um, they ran the ball 37 times. Right. And Kyle Shanahan always talks about that 30 number. Like if we get to 30 mm-hmm. runs, we feel very good about our chances to win the game, but they tricked it off by, you know, letting the bears extend those drives with penalties. Obviously they had three penalties lead to touchdowns, um, including two that negated third down stops um, to Sean mm-hmm. Gibson dropped an interception. Uh, and obviously, you know, it's, you don't want to get on him too much because he is playing uh, in sort of an emergency situation because Jimmy Ward's not, not healthy, but yeah, it was a game they absolutely should have won and they controlled really for um, I would say two and a half, three quarters. And then the fourth mm-hmm. quarter happened and the rain came and, um, everything just, just kind of got out of control for them. But, you know, I, it doesn't change the way I feel. I still think the defense can be one of the best in the league. I, I'm still not worried about the offense, although the injuries are getting a little concerning at this point. Um, but ultimately the 49ers are a team that is built to elevate Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance's supporting cast is designed to elevate him. That's the mm-hmm. way this team was built this year. Um, but if the supporting cast isn't going to do that and the defense is going to, um, allow an inferior offense to stick around via penalties and the run blocking is not going to be great. And you're going to lose Elijah Mitchell and not have George Kittle. Then it does become a lot more difficult for Trey Lance. And that's not necessarily how this team was built. So yeah, maybe that lowers their ceiling. If that's the, the type of stuff they have to deal with all season. There is also something about this team in 10 point leads. They should start to avoid them at all costs because they cannot <laughs> hold on to a 10 point lead to save their lives. So I'm just, I'm not, this is not an X's and O's thing. This is just clearly an observation. Don't go up by 10. You go, if you're up seven and it's going to be a field goal. Just let it go. Okay. That's my feeling on that. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, or maybe if you get up 10, like make it 17, right? That would be good too, but I think they should bypass the 10 altogether. I really do. I think it's got to be like from seven to 14 or, well, that's basically, yeah, from seven, 14 or seven to 13. Maybe you missed an extra point. That's okay. Like the bears missed two extra points on Sunday. They still won the game. So I just think 10 is a bad number for them to go by. So I'm just going to say that. It's all about whether or not they can run the ball. And after they lost Elijah Mitchell, they just really couldn't run the ball nearly as effectively. But see, now that does create a problem going forward because they're not going to have him for two months. So I don't don't think I agree with you. The sky is not falling. I don't think that this, I don't think after Sunday, it's all over, pack it up. There's always next season. I mean, it's week one. There's nothing. Everybody else more than a good week one overreaction. So the sky is certainly not falling. But when you or I or all of us say things like, well, you know, they just had so much trouble running the ball after Elijah Mitchell went out. Elijah Mitchell's out for the next two months. So I don't know. Maybe they trade Jimmy Garoppolo to Dallas for Zeke. I, by the way, I'm hundred percent not serious and nobody, nobody, (laughs) nobody should think that I was serious about that. And if I see one tweet saying I'm serious about that, you just just Uh, sent my brain to a place I wasn't expecting to go on this podcast. (laughs) You know what? That's what we really pride ourselves here on, on the Tracy Taylor show. Um, 
pretty, but, pretty good you know, run during the uh, during the 2015 college football season for my guy Zeke, though. Well, so there you go. Run in Dallas has been less good, but yeah. uh, no pun intended because we use the word run. But I guess pun intended because sure. you know it does make sense. Uh, but I only make that joke because Jack Prescott and everybody talking today about how Jimmy Garoppolo. I also thought it was funny when someone asked Kyle Shanahan about that about potentially would they even listen to an offer? And he said, Oh, when it comes to any player, we listen to an offer or coach. It's like our coach. Coaches can get traded. Coaches can get traded. But the idea that he threw that out there, maybe think, are they treating Jimmy Garoppolo and a coach somewhere? No, they're going to trade D'Amico Ryans for three first somewhere in the off season. Oh, that's a good idea. (laughs) That's That's actually a very good idea, but we'll get there when it happens. Let's talk as long as we talked about quarterbacks and, and, Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's talk a little bit about Trey Lance uh, on Sunday. Obviously, it was an up and down game. Not surprising to me. I think that is going to be a lot of the season. I think what you want to see is a a vast improvement from week one to week 17. And as you said, the team was built to elevate him. He is not really there yet to elevate the team, if that makes sense. Again, not a knock, just a fact of where he is at this point in his career. But, you know, what did you see out of him and yeah, what did you see out of him? We'll start there. So the thing that stands out to me about Trey early on, and this is something that I know the 49ers feel really good about in terms of him as a player, is just composure, right? Like he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't lose his composure. He's very poised, and we know how important that is as a quarterback. Um, but fundamentally, you know, he's a little bit inconsistent with his mechanics. Like that's that's mm-hmm. something that he has to improve on in order to improve his accuracy. And I think really his accuracy is going to be the thing that gets talked about and dissected the most until it just isn't like until he approves that he's an accurate quarterback. And right now I think it's fair to say that he's not, but in terms of Trey Lance's game on Sunday in Chicago, I would put the quarterback play pretty far down the list in terms of the reasons they lost that game, right? Like, absolutely. you know, his people are going to look at his stat line and say, wow, 13 to 26. That's, that's terrible. He was five of 14 in the fourth quarter when the monsoon began, right? Like the weather Mm -hmm. was completely different in the fourth quarter than the rest of the game. And I thought he played pretty well in the first half and he made a lot of good throws. And I mentioned the third down number earlier. He, I thought he was really good on third down, whether it was, him throwing or um, running, which is obviously a dynamic the 49ers haven't had with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, The fact that Trey Lance was able to run for a first down on third and 13 is a potentially game changing dynamic for them. So, um, you know, obviously the throw uh, on the deep crossing route to Brandon Ayuk on the first drive that resulted in no points because Debo Samuel fumbled. Um, the mm-hmm. throw to Juwan Jennings deep down the sideline. There was a third down to, to Juwan Jennings and a third down throw to Ross Dwelly. That was good. His best throw of the day might have been that throw to, to Ray Ray McLeod on a similar um, a similar route that Brandon Ayuk ran on that on that first series. So you know, in terms of Trey Lance, like the numbers obviously aren't good. Thirteen of twenty eight. But I think if you just dig down a little deeper and and watch the game and see how the game went, I never felt like, oh, man, Trey's really the reason. I felt like losing Elijah Mitchell, not having the running game, um, and then the defense doing what it did in the third quarter, which was, in essence, give the Bears life. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we can talk about this later. But, you know, 
Bears fans were booing after that run where they were stopped on third and four. And then the flag flew in for Dre Greenlaw uh, getting the face mask penalty that extended that drive leading to the touchdown. Like the Bears offense was completely nullified until that point. Like the Bears had 25 yards on five possessions on their first five possessions, I believe. So I know like it's sort of the low hanging fruit to blame everything on the quarterback. And obviously the numbers are what they were for Trey, but this was a game. The Niners should have won like 17 to three. So I think you can look at the numbers obviously and, and the overthrow of Tyler Croft in the first half and him taking a sack a couple plays later that took him out of field goal range, even though, you know, the pressure Mike McGlinchey gave up, I don't know how much you can really blame Trey Lance for that sack specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously the interception after the bears took the lead uh, leading to uh, the, the bears growing their lead to nine and making it a two score game. in the, I think it was the third quarter. Um, no, that was the first, the fourth quarter. Obviously those aren't plays that you want from your starting quarterback, but it's also like, man, if Trey Lance is making every single throw and not making any mistakes, then he's an extremely good quarterback, like an elite quarterback. And it would be insane to think Trey Lance in his third NFL start is all of a sudden going to be an elite quarterback. Right? So I think the 49ers are very understanding of what this process is going to look like. And the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, if they yo-yo Trey Lance in and out of the starting lineup, which is what some other organizations might do, like that is a great way to ruin a quarterback that you invested so much in. So I'm expecting the 49ers to have a decent leash for Trey Lance. um, As long as he's not the sole reason they're losing football games. I think he was a reason they lost the football game on Sunday, but not certainly not the biggest reason they lost. And so I think you can win games with Trey Lance as your quarterback. And I think ultimately in conditions that aren't monsoon, like it's going to look a lot different. Well, I have, I have a few thoughts on that. I think, first of all, it's, it's funny that I was looking at Twitter, of course, and we were waiting for the press conferences to start. And I was actually surprised at the level of blame that was going on Trey Lance was like this team had 12 penalties they had multiple turnovers and I understand that one of them was an interception but those 12 penalties are really to me that was the problem that was the biggest problem the fumble was a problem because the I actually you know who knows what would have happened but the fumble Debo's fumble seemed like a bigger deal to me even in the interception because at that point they were going to score I mean they were you know it looked like they were definitely going to score on that drive uh, obviously I know taking the sack wasn't great, but I agree with you that there's a McGlinchey factor in there. So I was just surprised at how much blame he was being, was being put on him. I shouldn't be because I know that the quarterback is always blamed no matter what. I mean, people would Jim, blame Jimmy Garoppolo for things that like the defense would do. And people would be like, well, if Jimmy Garoppolo had extended that drive. The defense wouldn't even be on the field. So like, you know, there's, there's a lot of that, but I would say, yeah. I mean, I think the game was pretty much kind of th- how I thought it would go for him. It was a lot yeah. of the other stuff around him that was more problematic. And of course, again, the loss of Elijah Mitchell. So, you know, I think that kind of is what it is. And I think for Trey Lance, just like I said at the beginning, it's going to have to be just showing improvement. He is going to have a long leash because they can't yo-yo him in and out. It will ruin him. That'll yeah. be it. That, that'll be absolutely the end of him. And they just can't do that. And I think everybody understands that including Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and the entire team. And it's not just about, and I'd said this in the podcast a couple weeks ago, it's not just about this season. Yes, the season is very important, but his development needs to be, they have to keep things in mind for beyond this year. 
So he yeah. is going to have a leash. And there were people yesterday who were like, they should put Garoppolo in. Like, I'm sorry, that's complete insanity. Is week one. Like, it's insanity. And he, as you said, he played well enough to win. There were other things going on around him, which I want to get to. We, we've not. seen Jimmy Garoppolo play in the rain. Right. The Niners scored nine points in the 2019 game in Washington. The only difference was the defense wasn't abysmal in that game and they won nine to nothing. Um, The Colts game last year was in a monsoon at Levi's stadium and Jimmy Garoppolo's play was a big reason they lost. It wasn't the only reason they lost because there were pass interference and cornerback issues in in that game also. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, like the game, if you, if you look at the penalties and the turnovers of which Trey Lance committed one, that's a Mm -hmm. four possession swing. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, you're talking about four scoring drives, basically swinging Mm -hmm. the game there in a two score game. So I I just think if the defense plays a clean game, it's probably a game the 49ers win. And if the 49ers win and Trey Lance puts the same performance together, nobody's calling for his benching. People are only calling for, for his benching because they're weighing the result over the process. Um, and you just, you know, the, I mean, it doesn't sound like that's, it doesn't sound like benching Trey Lance is anything that anything close to what Kyle Shanahan's considering at this point. Um, but you know, ultimately, ultimately, like if you're a quarterback in the NFL and your numbers aren't great and your team loses, whether you're Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Trey Lance, like you're going to shoulder a lot of the blame which certainly yeah. is, I'm, I'm sure is happening in green Bay today, given what happened mm-hmm. yesterday in Minnesota. So no quarterback is immune from that. But, um, you know, I, I think the way fans and, and observers of the NFL feel about their guys is drastically different than the way coaches and organizations view it. And I don't get the feeling that the 49ers, I know there's a lot of talk about them, you know, hedging on Trey Lance by keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around, but I don't get the sense that they're super concerned about Trey Lance's play because I, I I'm with you. Like, I think they expected that it would look very similar to how it did on Sunday. And I, I just don't think that was a big reason they lost. I don't think so at all. And I would be shocked if anyone actually inside that building was even, there was even like a glimmer of a thought of benching Trey Lance right now. I mean, I just don't think that makes sense. Um, so I want to talk about Drake Greenlaw for a second. Um, Drake Green- Greenlaw in 2019, who probably had the biggest play of the season to send them to, to, or to give them, you know, home field advantage in the, the bye week uh, going into that Super Bowl year. But he had two, two of those penalties Sunday were on him. One of them, you know, the face mask penalty, it's really hard to see. You know, he said that he, we talked to him after the game. He said he touched the face mask, you know, the whole thing. That's like, fine. Whatever. I thought it so was a dumb penalty. He, the running back was already a, stopped there. Dre Greenlaw. Sure. You could try to rip the ball out there, but you were getting the stop. There wasn't much point to it. He was tackled by two right. other guys. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I I do agree with you on that. So those were two very big penalties in the game, um, two of the 12. So there were a lot of others, but it was two very big penalties in the game. This is something that happened last season as well with Dre Greenlaw. And I probably should have uh, gone back and found out exactly where they were, but I can't remember the moment, but there, there were times I want to say there was more than one game where Dre Greenlaw had a pretty big penalty that either did cost the game or could cost them the game. And I'm not even sure. It's just really a discussion because, you know, there comes, I imagine and this, you're not the coach of the team, nor am I, thank God, but um, for everyone involved, especially the team. Um, but 
you know, to me, this is an interesting coaching point and an interesting situation. You have a very physical player, a very good player, but you know, I think a big part of being successful in the league is knowing how you draw that line. And this does seem to be a pattern. So it's just kind of a statement. There's not really a question there, but I'm kind of just interested to hear your thoughts. I think, I think Trey Greenlaw has a tendency to be a little bit overzealous when it comes to playing. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I would group some of his issues kind of in the same category, right? Like overrunning a play and then putting yourself at a bad angle to make a tackle. Um, Mm -hmm. and missing said tackle, I would put in the same category as reaching in to try to rip the ball out from somebody who's already tackled on a third down and end up getting a a handful of face mask and then getting flagged for it. And that leading Mm -hmm. to a touchdown, like, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of control you have to have and play with. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's fair to say that Dre Greenlaw needs to play with a little bit more control than he did on Sunday. And to your point, it is a pattern. It is something that has Mm -hmm. happened before. Now it's tough to tell a linebacker, particularly given the way the 49ers have been coached, you know, the all gas, no breaks motto and swarm or swear arm or swear swear. Um, they call it swarm but it's actually swear spe- special work <laughs> ethic and relentless mindset yeah sweet i believe that's um, swear so relentless mindset i mean you the fact is you just have to play with a little bit more control like and fred mm-hmm. warner who plays right next to him obviously does that as well as i think anybody like maybe with the exception of the occasional block on Matt Stafford in the NFC championship game after an interception. Um, but I think that's something just overall discipline is something that Dre Greenlaw needs to improve on. And I think it's something the 49ers as a team need to improve on. So looking at the numbers last year in terms of yardage, the 49ers were the third most penalized team in the NFL last season. And a lot of that tracks to the pass interference penalties which mm-hmm. were big reasons they lost to off the top of my head, Indianapolis and green Bay two home mm-hmm. games that they really needed to win. And I'm sure there were others because the 49ers led the league in pass interference penalties, but for whatever, I, do be a honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think they give out, they give out trophies for that. But um, I just think overall, it's fair to say that an indictment of this team is that, or maybe even the defense, like maybe the defense's Achilles heel is the penalties and just the lack of discipline because they're talented enough and just good enough schematically that they should be top five in the league in defense full mm-hmm. stop. Like I think the 49ers defense this year could be as good, if not better than what they had in 2019, which was how they got to the Super Bowl. Um, Absolutely. So, but they're costing themselves opportunities to be that elite when they're giving offenses new life in the form of third down penalties and dropped interceptions and stuff like that. So yeah, I think Dre Greenlaw, his, you know, needing to be more disciplined is emblematic of all of that. So I, I think that's something certainly the team as a whole needs to improve, but I definitely think Dre Greenlaw, given what happened Sunday is, is an indication of that. And I think the thing with the face mask and, you know, he explained it after when we talked to him in the locker room, but at the end of the day, they're going to call that penalty. So it doesn't matter if you brushed it or you accidentally touched it, they're calling the penalty and you just have to know that. So you could plead your case on it, but it is what it is that they are calling that penalty. So you can not you, but the universal you or Trey Greenblock and think it's unfair, but they're going to call it. 
So don't do it would be my recommendation on that. So maybe I should be a coach. Just don't do that. Have a great day. (laughs) That would be that. (laughs) Yeah, don't commit penalties, guys. I think, yeah, we'll put you on the payroll. I just wanted to, to come on real quick and just let you know, I think, you should stop committing those penalties. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, get a shower in and have an excellent rest of your afternoon. Coach of the Bye. year, Tracy Sandler. Well, you know, people would certainly like me. I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> Friend meetings would be fairly very quick, uh, right. but yeah. And well, so, decorated. Um, and well decorated. There'd be pink everywhere. I think I'd be really popular as a coach. Sure. <laughs> I really do. It'd be great. So next up for the 49ers, we have the Seattle Seahawks who at the time of recording have not yet. Oh, that's not true. At the time of recording, they are about nine minutes into their game with the Denver Broncos. So we'll see how they fare on Monday night, Monday night football. It's a very different Seattle Seahawks team. So we will talk about that later this week on the Tracy Sandler show, but they're, ultimately, they're winning. Chris, they're winning. Seven are they winning? Yeah. Seven, nothing. Well, eight minutes in the first quarter. Here we go. Yeah. It is, you know, yesterday or on Sunday, we kind of joked a little bit on Twitter and beyond that it was the Dante Pettis revenge game for the, for Dante Pettis, and the bears, which by the way, as it turned out, it was a Dante Pettis revenge game for Dante Pettis and the bears. And I think tonight is a full Seahawks revenge game. It's like a Russell Wilson revenge game. And then like maybe a Pete Carroll revenge game. See, really I sure, agree but. with you, but it's tough because the game's happening right now. And I would feel much better about my take after the game ended, <laughs> so, which I think is fair. I also brought you on game I, and then, and then the Broncos roll by a 30. <laughs> you know, right? oh, I, when I say Seahawks revenge game, I don't mean that we, I mean it more like going into the game. This could be a Seahawks revenge game or going oh, into this absolutely. game. This could be a rough, you know what I'm saying? I mean it that way. I'm not asking you to be psychic, but if you have those powers, then I'm totally down to go. If I had those powers. I don't know if I'd be, I don't know if I'd be working in a newspaper. Or a podcast. I guess not. That. You'd be betting on Super Bowl winners. <laughs> You'd yeah. be like, I know who they are. I'd be betting on uh, lots well, of I appreciate you. That's fair. Well, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, once again, you guys, the sky is not falling. The rain fell. The sky is not. It is week one. And we'll see. Do you want to give me a very early prediction on the week two game between the Fort Niners and Seattle Seahawks? Um, I think the Niners are going to win. I, I mean, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, so they should beat the Seahawks in their home opener. I think everybody, it's going to be a situation where everybody shovels dirt on them after one week and overreacts yeah. to, you know, oh, Trey Lance and they don't believe in him because they have Jimmy Garoppolo and whatever, all that stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be starting in a few weeks, which might be the case. Maybe Trey Lance throws five picks, but um, I'm expecting the 49ers to come out and win. I think they're going to have an opportunity to reevaluate their game plan. I thought they were a little too dependent on say Tyler Croft in throwing him deep passes and like a screen, they ran a screen to Tyler Croft. And I was like, why, why? <laughs> like that no. didn't make much sense. Um, I thought the run blocking one of, one of life's choices that you questioned. Yeah. I thought the run blocking wasn't particularly good. There was a, there was a Juwan Jennings block that he just completely whiffed on. It was a second down in the red zone that ended up being a tackle for loss on a Jeff Wilson run. And yes. if Juwan Jennings had made that block, it would have been an easy touchdown. And at that point, mm-hmm. I think that was the field goal that made it 10 nothing. So it would have been 14 nothing in the 49ers defense. And you know how I feel about these 10 nothing leads. Yeah, the 49ers, <laughs> the, a 14 nothing lead would have felt drastically different than 10 nothing at that point in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you know, the offensive line could certainly play better. Um, I didn't think, you know, 
Kyle Shanahan said he thought the interior guys all played pretty well. I would disagree with that sentiment after rewatching the game today, but I understand it's his prerogative to say whatever he wants to say. Um, but I also think it behooves him to say that. Yeah. The offensive line needs to be, the offensive line needs to be better. And I think that's true for all five of those guys, including Trent Williams. I think the run blocking from the receivers needs to be better, even outside of just that Jawan Jennings example I gave, and obviously the defense needs to clean it up. If, if those things happen and that's a lot to clean up in one week, but if those things happen, the Niners are just a lot more talented than Seattle. Um, well, and I would, and, and they're a lot more talented than the bears, but I would also say the other way to look at this week one loss is it's a very early season wake up call. I mean, it's This is one of those games that it's possible to go into. There's a lot of hype around this team in the off season. There's a lot of trillions talk at all the things. And it's a game that's easy to go into feeling it's important to feel confident but maybe not cocky. And I think this is a game that perhaps they went into feeling like, yeah, obviously we're going to win this game. Um, And then those mistakes do add up and perhaps a early week one wake up call is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a veteran team. They've experienced most of that roster has experienced the highs of, you know, going to the Super Bowl in 2019, the lows of what happened in 2018 and 2020 when their seasons were basically derailed by injury and last year starting out, you know, really poorly three and five, everybody, including me calling for a quarterback change and then going on a run, getting hot in the middle of the regular season and end up going to the NFC title game. This is a team that's experienced a lot and they've dealt with the ups and downs a lot. And I think they have the right perspective just generally as a group in the locker room. Mm -hmm. So I do have faith that things aren't going to get like terribly chaotic, but you never really know. Um, The ingredients are certainly there for it to be chaotic. I think that's one thing that they have even acknowledged that, you know, bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back, some of that could potentially happen, but Um, I believe in the culture that they've established and, you know, knowing those guys in the locker room and how they approach those things. I think ultimately they're going to be fine, whether they win or lose on Sunday, you know, it might be that they just suck in September this year and they go, they start on three or something. Um, But, you know, it's a long season. There are 17 games and there's plenty of time to bounce back. And I think really, if there's a silver lining to look at, it doesn't even have anything to do with the 49ers. It's just that the NFC just might be down in general because it looks like as of week one, which I know is an incredibly small sample, like the bucks might be the only like elite team in the NFC. Yeah. So I think that that makes sense. I think that based on week one, I think that's true. I don't think it's necessarily true, but I think based on week one, it is. So, well, you know what I'm going to say that Chris time will tell. You know what? It's it's tell. true. It's always true. Time, always time will true. tell. Yeah. Time will tell. I said this to Courtney Cronin on the podcast last week, and I said no one can argue with this term, and she agreed. So with Courtney that, was on our pod also. Was she? Cool, yeah, She's we had Courtney on. She was great. Shouts to Courtney. Yay, Courtney. Shouts to Courtney for sure. Well, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You guys are brought to you by bet online. I'll be back later this week to talk a little 49ers Seahawks preview. At that point, I will have watched the Monday night football game. So I'll be able to speak much better. Uh, how the Seahawks look this season. So I have a pretty good idea. 
and we will go from there. Talk to everybody next time. Bye all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.